listening to Nightcaller's Big. Good evening, and welcome to Nightcaller's Bigfoot Radio. You're here with your host Lauren Smith and the gentleman from Irish Bigfoot Research Organization. How are you guys doing tonight? We're doing good, uh, Lauren. Thanks very much for having us. Uh, it's been a long time coming. Uh, we know we have talked uh, several times about coming on and. Uh, we're nearly trying to organize this for a long time, for nearly a year, I believe. Yes, but yes. Uh, at last, we're here. So You're here. It's worth days. the wait. It's absolutely worth the wait. I know we've been, like you said, chatting for over a year about bringing you guys on. Um, but now you have not only one documentary, but the second film under your belt. So um, I'm excited to talk about that. And we also have the members of your team here. We have Chris Dawson and Rod Mad- Ron Madden with us. I'm sorry. How are you guys doing? Yeah. Hi, Lauren. Hi, Lauren. How's things? Good. I'm actually in the woods, so um, if your viewers um, see something walking behind me, uh, I can't be held responsible for the actions of the wood boost, so, um, yes. well. <laughs> yeah, no, I appreciate that. So, yeah, Chris is on location right now. He is live in the field. I told him I appreciate his sacrifice. Um, so if something comes up and grabs him or, you know, we get you know, any kind of, um, vocals or anything, you know, uh, we'll all be really excited, but, um, yeah, we can't be held accountable for his actions you'll, either. You'll probably see the screen going like this. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I'm excited yeah. you're out. I told him already, like he can stop us at any time and let us know he's hearing something or whatever. So that's really awesome. Um, we all get to be live in Ireland right now, you guys. That's, that's great. Great. Yeah. And Love Ron, it. how are you? I'm not too bad now, thank you. I'm in a safer zone here. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so uh, we'll just go ahead and get started here, if you guys don't mind. Um, okay. So I, you know, posted this show. I finally posted my Ireland Bigfoot show, and I'm so excited about it. And I started getting feedback. Well, there are no Bigfoot in Ireland. So what do you? how do you guys feel about that? I think I'll let Chris answer that one. Okay. Well... Um, I suppose that the logical sort of uh, answer to that would be um, the evidence. You know, besides the the witness um, reports, um, our own encounters in the field and those sorts of things was all really had to be taken at face value. It's really the evidence-based um, material that would um, add to that. And we find exactly the same prints here in Ireland as you guys do in the States. We actually find two types of print. Um one which is clearly your your standard squats print and the other which is um the one as the Woodwoose print and uh it is actually very similar to a Neanderthal print. So there's a lot of belief that obviously which we can come into later on Lauren that uh the Woodwoose is a, a radic Neanderthal type creature. Okay. Um, it's not just as big as as, as they are squatch. Um, but then, of course, a lot of Bigfoot researchers across the world believe that Bigfoots make structures um, in the forest. Mm-hmm. Um, we find exactly the same things here. Mm-hmm. We find huge 60, 70 feet bends, um, TPs, all the same ground lifts and all those sorts of things. Now, of course, people would argue that that can be man-made or whatever. But... I mean, when you find when you find a bend that's maybe sixty feet tall, 
a huge conifer tree pushed over, bent over and pushed into the ground and wedged into the ground in the middle of the forest, miles from any road. It, it begs the question of to how that happened. I mean, the wind didn't do that in Ireland, nor did it do it the one in the States. Um, and certainly machinery coming through that far into the forest um, would not be an option. Right. Right. So based on what you said, the same reason that we believe that we have Bigfoot or Sasquatch here is encounters, witness encounters, and evidence and just an anthropological history um, that would support that over there as well. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, the, the witness encounters and stuff on their own encounters are, are the are the backbone, obviously, of things that just as they are across the water, mm-hmm. across the pond. Um, those are the backbone of um, of investigations. But uh, definitely, the the same evidence that's found here is is um, unbelievable on how how similar it actually is. You know, mm-hmm. right? No, that's that's well said. Um, you know, I think that like we were chatting earlier before the show, and you said that um, for someone being from America and saying. Um, well, there's no Bigfoot over there when they've never been there and researched that area would be the same as you guys saying there's no Bigfoot here because you've never been here. So um, I think, you know, as researchers, we need to keep an open mind that unless it's an island, you know, off the coast of Antarctica or something, you know, um, Ireland does have the ecosystem to support this creature. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's only a few thousand years from... Ireland was joined with continental Europe, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, there, there was a land bridge there, and it only it only filled with water when the ice melted from the ice age, you know. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, m- mammoths were here. Mammoths, giant woolly rhinos, all those big creatures were all here. Their bones are all found here. Mm-hmm. So if they can get here, then a hominid that's maybe 10 foot tall, which is nowhere near the, the height of a mammoth, can get here too, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. Very well said. Um so okay i wanted to (laughs) i had a question from the chat um before the chat even started i was getting questions about this show and this listener wants to know does bigfoot have an accent over there that'd be chris again yeah that one yeah um strangely enough um obviously we can't prove that one but um, I have actually heard them shot quite a few times. I know Jim and Ron have heard some vocalizations as well. Um, but they've actually said hello to me, both in Irish and English. And uh, hello in Irish is diadit. Um, and I've heard that spoken to me. And I've heard hello in a very deep voice. And I have to say the hello was like any other hello, you know, but the diet that did actually come across in like an Irish accent, so um, which was very very strange. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's. I think that's phenomenal. I mean, it's it makes sense that if they listen to you guys talk all day, they're going to speak like you. But um, so, in answer to your question, uh, listener, yes, the Bigfoot in Ireland have an accent as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just thought I just laughed when I heard that question. I thought that was great. Okay, so um, I'm going to start with Chris. What got you started in this topic? 
Uh, probably the legend of Boggy Creek. Really? Yeah, we're going right. Yeah, we're going right back to the seventies. Yeah. So I mean, I was born in seventy-five. Mm-hmm. I think I seen the legend of Boggy Creek when I was three in seventy-eight. So I mean, I probably watched half of Man Ran Behind the Sofa. The second <laughs> half, um, I probably had nightmares for about two weeks after it. You know, mm-hmm. but really from then. Right through my childhood, um, I did sort of wean off it a little bit during the nineties. Um, mm-hmm. on a, like everybody else, when they're when they're young, they're running about and they're having a drink and all that sort of stuff with the ladies and the guys. Um, but of course, then I went back to my roots after that. Mm-hmm. But with regards research, um, only actually researching in Ireland now about three years. Um, I was uh, quite prominent across most of the Facebook groups before that for years. Um, and it's actually a sighting that happened in in my local area where I am now that uh, sparked the interest in the actual research end of it, you know. And I'm actually sitting now about 50 yards from that location um, where the witness seen that that time. And that really sparked my investigation because, investigations because I wanted to say, like, okay, I mean, somebody has said that there's a Bigfoot in my area. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to go and investigate that and it didn't actually take too long to find out, you know. Okay. And then you so said... That's really the route. That's really the route. Okay, that's what got you into it. Um, and then you said where you are right now, um, literally where you're sitting, you had an, an experience. Yeah, well, this area here, Lauren, is, is probably one of the most active areas in Ireland. Uh, it never ceases to amaze. Um, it's just non-stop. But yeah, I've actually I've had one encounter here myself. Um, it was August 2019, just last year, and um, I was actually sitting in exactly the same spot. It was it was uh, dusk. Uh, I had a big lamp with me. I actually have it here with me now today as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought maybe the batteries were sort of weaning off a little bit. So I said, I'll change the batteries before it gets dark. So it was a big log, there's a big or a big trunk here rather beside me, and I set um, the batteries on the trunk. And I think whatever it was wasn't too happy that I was setting batteries on a trunk. And as soon as I set the first battery on the trunk, the grinding started. Okay. Um, just for your listeners, um, Lauren, about a month previous to that, I had seen a big cat. Mm-hmm. A black panther mm-hmm. on my way home from work. Um, one, one, late, one night, it was 12.45 a.m. actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just crossed the road as cool as you like in front of me. So that was the first thing that entered my mind on this occasion. that the Because it wasn't that far from the, where I seen the kid. Actually, it was only about five miles. So that's the first thing that entered my head, mm-hmm. obviously. Um, and then there was a few wild hogs in the area as well reported, so I thought maybe it's a hog, you know. These things all run through your head, because obviously with the cat sighting a month before that, I sort of said to myself, well, I have nowhere to go here. Because mm-hmm. the, the trees in this area are all water willow. They're not, not even worth worth trying to climb you on, onto a, a log and it'll snap in your hand, you know. It's, right. it's so flimsy. But um, those things all go through your head. And then, of course, it, the growling got louder and my chest started to vibrate uh, and it actually continued for 90 seconds. Um, 
and I realised then that it wasn't a hog or a cat or a deer or nothing like that. And there's no deer in that area anyway, by the way. You, get, you will get the odd one straying through on a very rare occasion, but it's all bog land. So, I mean, that's swamp to these guys in the States. Um, so deer don't like swamp land, as you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so then things all ran through my head. So I said, listen, I just grabbed the batteries, everything, put a pocket on a, a blue tie, and I headed around the back trail. Um, and actually, well, actually I actually went live on our Facebook group at this point because I wanted to maybe try and catch something, you know. Mm-hmm. And I headed around the back trail, walked for about probably a quarter of a mile and came up level with a different trail. And just as I came, came level, I'm, I'm actually right-handed like most people are, and I had the camera in my right hand. So I was turning into the next trail. So my body and my head would have reached the trail before the camera. Unfortunately, now, some of the guys did say they thought they'd seen something, but I couldn't see it on the camera. But as I came around the corner, first of all, I seen what well, Jim will maybe tell you about after this. It was 10 foot tall and completely grey from head to toe. Mm-hmm. And I just walked across the trail as cool as, cool as you like and just gave me a quick glance and walked off into the woods. And okay. it was probably about... I suppose about 50 yards from me. Um, it's, uh, it's a local grey man. That, that particular area is known for the wood moose, mm-hmm. which is a different type of Bigfoot creature. But this guy was actually a squatch. Okay. Um, and he's been, seen in, he's been seen in the area a few times in the past sort of 18 months. Um, it did give me a bit of a fright because I'm used to the wood moose there. And they're actually quite friendly. They would actually play, almost play with you, you know, whistle back to you and things like that. Mm-hmm. But this guy was as grumpy as heck, you know, and yeah. you, you could tell he was as grumpy as heck. <laughs> yeah. Yes. No. You know? uh, that's that's an awesome encounter. I mean, I know it was terrifying for you. I'm sorry, but it was awesome, and that's an awesome encounter. Um. Yeah. So, um, I kind of wanted to ask. So, Jim, earlier you were telling me. So, something that piqued my interest during your story was you were talking about big cats. And I am woefully ignorant of Ireland's ecosystem and what wildlife you have there. So, Jim, um, can you tell me a little bit about the big cats and other wildlife that you have there? Yeah, uh, we uh, the big cats, they're not native to Ireland. Uh, we, we never had them here, except in the Ice Age and that we had uh, different ones. But uh, what happened was people, uh, wealthy people, in the 70s, in the 1970s, uh, were keeping these animals in cages and as a showing off piece of, uh, you know, oh, uh, look what I have. You know, they were keeping, yeah, yeah. So they were getting all these exotic cats and different cats. And uh, it seemed to be that the government in Northern Ireland and the UK didn't like this. And they brought in new sanctions and new laws and new rules. And it was costing a lot of, you know, a lot of money for the people to keep them. So the people that didn't want to keep them and couldn't afford them, before the people came to confiscate them or see or check on them, they just released them into the wild. So uh, as bad as it seems, uh, they released them into the wild and they're still seen to this day. That was 30, 40 years ago. They're still seen to this day, uh, regular cats. Chris has seen them twice in his area. Uh, literally, uh, okay. I'd say less than a less than a mile and a half from his home when he was driving home at night. So uh, they are in the area. Uh, people have seen them, 
course, uh, the general uh, wildlife, what we have, the biggest thing we have here uh, on record is a red fox. That's the biggest predator we have. Okay. We don't have any wolves. We don't have any bears. Uh, I think the last wolf was shot in 1740, something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a, a long time ago. So, uh, yeah, the biggest one we have, uh, we have deer, lots of deer, different types of deer, red deer, seeker deer, mm-hmm. uh, fallow deer. Okay, and you have um, you said you have hogs or boar over there as well. Yeah, we yeah people have released uh, re-released them in, into the wild. Yeah, they've uh, on their on programs and that they've they've uh, they're, they're trying to reintroduce them. So we have those yeah in certain areas, but in general, uh, um, another thing about Ireland is when it's nighttime and you're out at nighttime in the you know in the woods where Chris is. If you listen in the background, you can hear a pin drop. Mm-hmm. We don't have any crickets. We don't have any calling crickets at night like you have. Okay. So if Chris was, if you if you get Chris to talk again and listen to the background, it's deathly quiet. There's not a sound to be heard. Okay. So you can hear, uh, you, know, you can hear anything that, that moves in the woods. You can hear it, you know? Right. No, that's, that's interesting because over here, a lot of the activity we get, we have crickets, but we have birds that will sound off if something's around or owls will communicate if something's around. Um, so, I mean, do y'all have that same uh, situation over there when you're researching at night? We do have, yeah. We wouldn't have owls. Uh, owls wouldn't be as prominent. They, you'd, you'd very rarely come across an owl. But yes, you would stumble. You'd, uh, you'd walk up pheasants and you'd birds from trees and that definitely would mm-hmm. break break the other side if you were you know if you're uh, if you're stalking around you will you will disturb them but, no. uh, okay. okay um jim while we're on you how did you get started into this topic uh i usually a long time ago uh i remember seeing the patterson film uh and it was amazing to see and i was i think everyone was uh, in shock at that time when they seen it it was like wow wow you know but uh and then in search of in the in the, the old programs in mm-hmm. search of with uh, Leonard Nimoy and that, mm-hmm. and then I wasn't as act I didn't really do it. I was just I had a curi- curiosity about it. Them days you couldn't do any. Re- there was no internet, so uh, right. No, n- there was no mobile phones. Never mind internet. So, <laughs> but, uh, so we've come a long way. So, so mm-hmm. um, but in the in the meantime, uh, I met Chris. Through, uh, through through the internet, uh, through a search, uh, I got searching on, I just Googled uh, Bigfoot in Ireland, the history of it. And I couldn't believe that the, there was history here of between uh, Bigfoot and uh, dogman-like creatures as well, going back through history and through medieval stories and mm-hmm. artwork and paintings and stuff like that. They are uh, pictured in medieval, uh, uh, you know, uh, what do you call um, 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 tapestries. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you can see them on it there. They're going back a long, long way, like before. So that people have seen something. Right. And uh, so that's uh, how we, how I got into it. We start. I met up with Chris and uh, in no time we, we got on a house on fire. Uh, mm-hmm. We set up the organization and right. we haven't looked back from there. So we're basically three years, three or four years now, uh, my, myself and Chris are, are being, uh, how would you say, constantly active and, Mm-hmm. Uh, setting up, uh, we set up the Facebook uh, group and stuff like that. So, yeah, that's uh, that's where we are now at the moment. So, awesome. 
All right. And then, um, Ron, how did you get into this? Um, I'd say back in 2010, I saw uh, Jeff Meldrum do a documentary on Discovery okay. um, about the Independence Day footage, I think it was. Um, that kind of stuck in my head then for a while and I kind of was going on other directions. And then just out of nowhere, then one of my kids sat down watching Finding Bigfoot. And uh, he said, sit down and watch it with me, Dad, you know. So I said him, you know, being the dad, and started watching it and kind of sparked up my interest then again. So as soon as I started watching that, I started uh, doing a bit of uh, searching over the internet then. So was, my focus was more so on America at the time. But then I started uh, seeing a few hits on the UK and up in Scotland. And before long, I was pointed in the direction then of uh, Chris and Jim. So that's where I'm at now. But just a simple program on TV can ignite something, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, a lot a lot of my listeners, a lot of my guests have had that same um, that same story just about, you know, except here. Um, so that's just an amazing that you are all getting into it there and, you know, thoroughly researching it there. Um, that's yeah. awesome. Um, we did have a question from the chat real quick and each of you can answer, you know, separately if you want, starting with Chris. Um, Jordan Warner wants to know, are the creature descriptions in Ireland more man-like, ape-like, or both? I suppose both, probably. Um, the, the, the wood mouse is the Neanderthal type, and um, it's described as looking very between a Neanderthal and a chimpanzee. So only the skin is grey. Um, it doesn't have any hair on its face. It has a round, rounded head, as opposed to the conical head of Squatch. Um, and it's, it's sort of the males are reported to be about maximum seven feet tall. The females can be five to six feet tall. Okay. Um, so it is quite a different creature. Uh, the Irish Bigfoot, the Grey Man, whatever you, whatever people prefer to call it, it gets different names. Um, is generally nine to ten foot tall, just the same as with your squatches okay. in America, and it has the same hair coming in towards the nose. So on the conical head, of course, um, it's usually a lot, lot bigger. Now the wood, the wood moose can be pretty sturdy as well. So, I mean, the witness in my area, um, we we're talking about earlier, he seen a wood moose there, um, and it was seven feet tall, mm -hmm. seven to eight feet tall, and it was standing directly behind him. Um, and if it was the chest was shoulders were huge, you know. Mm -hmm. So it was built basically like the Hulk. You know, on the features, whereas like neon between Neanderthal and chimpanzee looking, you know. Okay. All right. Um, I mean, that's. I mean, that's about like here. They vary here from you know Bigfoot, Sasquatch, Skunk Ape, um, Falk Monster. A lot of them have um, more Neanderthal look, and then some have more like an ape look. So, that's yeah, that's good. Um, I had another question. Oh my gosh. Yes, it is winter in Ireland right now. Um, they said it's, it's pretty chilly there at the moment. So, uh, Chris is really sacrificing, uh, for us. Um, we probably yeah. have a good 45 minutes before he turns into a complete popsicle on us. <laughs> um, so are there any, and this, <laughs> this question, 
Um, are there any Irish women who research? Yes. Okay. We sure do, yeah. Awesome. Not a lot, yes, but uh, we have a few. Uh, and from from all ends of uh, the country. And awesome. also right down in the south and a few up north as well. All right. And um, because you are in Ireland and, you know, your history and everything, um, this is a valid question. Do you only research Sasquatch or do you also look into little people in the Fae or anything like that? We have members in our organization who, uh, who are interested in that side of things as well. Okay. Um, personally, where I'm at at the moment, um, I would put my focus solely into Sasquatch and okay. Woodwoods or Wildman. Um, but a couple of friends of ours are interested in that aspect of things as well. Okay. Um, we do get a lot of reports of other uh, sightings which we're not 100% sure what they are neither. Uh, flashing lights, uh, even UFOs get reported here mm -hmm. as well, if you want to that phenomenon. Um, but the, all the different kinds of reports that come through are uh, very interesting, but they take you off in a different route, you know, so to speak. But they definitely are reported, yeah. Okay. Um, and do you guys get a lot of reports of orbs? like glowing orbs along with Bigfoot? Chris has a few, I think. Yeah, um, well, incidentally, we done a live feed on uh, the Facebook group, Cryptovania. It was February 2019. And um, we were actually a good bit halfway up through the live feed. And I didn't obviously say it was actually in the same area. I didn't actually see it at the time because I was too busy watching the woods and watching where it was going. Mm -hmm. And the camera was sort of pointed the other way, you know. And Tommy, Tommy Cooper, who was on screen with me, um, was shouting at me, you know, Chris, 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 Chris. Mm -hmm. He says, what, Tommy, what, Tommy? And he says, UFO, directly ahead. And sure enough, there was lights now. It's debatable whether it was a UFO or whether it was orbs or what it actually was, because mm -hmm. it was um, ab just above the tree line. And I know that area pretty well, um, especially since then, because there's a big gap in behind within a bunch of trees. There's a big gap there. Mm -hmm. And it moved up and down in between the um, you know that tree line. So it was coming up. And it was moving along, I guess, you know, and moving back down behind the tree. And you could see all the wee lights behind the trees. And then it came back up again. And all. So we don't know whether it was a UFO or orbs, but um, I know some of some of the members of the IBRO, not just in Ireland, but maybe in Britain and in the States as well. We have members all across the world. Okay. Um, they have actually seen a lot of that themselves, yeah? Yes. In England, in North America. Um, and of course, I believe, well, I don't, know for sure whether it was a UFO or was it or was it orbs, but it was definitely one of the two. Um it certainly wasn't Bigfoot. Right. It was abnormal for sure. 
Um, yeah. I've been hearing yeah, just definitely. more and more and more stories of people seeing orbs. And so that's just, you know, something, it's one of my new standard questions I ask whenever I um, talk to other Bigfoot researchers or a research organization like yourselves. So um, that's why I ask. So, uh, Jim, you have had experiences, correct? Yes, I can uh, tell you a couple, all right, yeah. Well, uh, one in particular, um, when we, it was the first day of filming for the new documentary, part two. Okay. And we had uh, filmed a bit of stuff in the morning and we were having a break. It was a really, really cold morning. Uh, I think it was about half 11 or maybe noon. So we decided to send uh, Ron and our cameraman, Ben, uh, back to the vehicles, bring back some of the equipment that we didn't need, uh, some tripods and stuff like that. So they were coming back. And uh, just before they came back, myself and Chris were there. And Chris said that he could hear chatter, like talking he said you know it, it was a classic samurai shadow that uh, you guys talk about mm -hmm. and uh, we heard that a little i didn't hear it because i was sort of uh, you know, setting up a little sort of a picnic area for the you know to feed the boys with soup and sandwiches and coffee and stuff like that mm -hmm. so um with that we heard a call of course this was all off camera because we were having a break mm -hmm. and ron and the cameraman were about 80 to 100 yards away from us i put my hand up to stopped the guys and at that moment there was a scream that came about 80 to 100 yards further on down the trail and to, to this moment to this moment i have chills my hair is standing up my arms thinking about it uh it sounded like a woman screaming really high pitch mm -hmm. and then it oscillated and quivered and went right down right down deep deep mm -hmm. and i looked at chris and chris looked at me and we looked back at Ron and uh, we couldn't believe it. I think Ron was in a better position because he was uphill a little bit from where we were. So he would have heard. Uh, I just asked Ron to comment on that. Yeah. Um, we were actually walking down, say, towards Jim and Chris. And when, when Jim put his hand up to tell us stop, we just stopped straight away and we could just hear this coming across the, the bog area or the swamp. Now, just keep in mind that the, the trees in this swamp area are no more than, what, 20 feet, 25 feet high. That the elevated area that we were on, we could see right across. And there's absolutely, there's nothing there because I had researched that area and I had investigated mm -hmm. for part of the first documentary. You can, uh, you can tip on that in a while, but, uh, there's nothing else around that area. And the sound that was coming over, like, as Jim said, he started off at a high pitch and it just bellowed out into this big boom of a roar. Yeah. And it must have carried on for like 30, 40 seconds, just constant. Like, and it kind of stopped and, and it was just pure silence. Uh, it, was, it was eerie to say the least anyway. The hairs are standing up in my arms too. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, so what was your first thought when you heard that? What What's the first thing that came to you that you thought it might could be? Uh, the initial, the initial high pitch sound. I thought it could be like a donkey, you know, like an ass or a mule. Mm -hmm. But uh, they would not have the lung capacity 
to to give out such a sound and right. develop. You know, I live in the countryside. I have cows, foxes, I have horses. I have I have a donkey just two fields up from me here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hear them all the time. Nothing made a sound like this ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was my initial thought. But when it bellowed out into the, the deep, heavy sound, I I was like. Oh my gosh, Jim, what was your initial impression of that? Uh, it was a bit very spooky. Uh, I looked at Chris and Chris looked at me and things. Chris's jaw was on the floor <laughs> looking back at me. And it was like, uh, I just asked Chris about that to have his a little, his opinion on that. Chris, do you want to comment on that? I always thought, to be honest, it was like, you know, the initial, obviously, it's a bit frightening at the time, but if you can sort of imagine one of those really, um, yeah, I mean, amazing comedy comedy films, you know, mm-hmm. sort of afterwards, we all sat down and had tea, you know, after this, <laughs> in the spot where this happened, you know what I mean? Right. It was like, you know, rah, and then tea. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> what can you do with it i mean um and so did you guys have any um any other things happen while you were filming yeah there was another uh, episode uh, during filming filming for part one uh there was uh myself and chris uh we're walking up this berm a high berm that you know, overlooks the bog it's it's in between it's it's a bit of dry ground both sides of it was le- uh, left and right was uh, swampland, and out to my left there was a bit of a, an area, say about a hundred yards across, uh, that was heavily heavily wooded across the across the swamp, and to my I just got a fleeting glimpse of something tall, grey, going from left to right very fast, and all I could say at the time when I had a quick glance I turned it was like. Do you know the big, uh, a big metal sheet, a grey metal sheet mm-hmm. of steel going from left to right? It was that big and that quick. And I said it to Chris at the time, and he had the camera pointing the other direction. So, unfortunately, of course. Course, uh, Chris was there for that one as well. Chris, do you remember that one? Yeah, well, I I didn't actually see it at the time. I was um, busy setting up the camera or whatever I was doing. Whenever you seen that, you know, but... That that actual spot, Lauren, which is um, it's very very strange. Um, that is this that's the spot where Jim seen that right. That's also the spot where we were sitting having tea. Mm-hmm. Um, where Jim actually seen the grey squats running. It's also the exact same spot where we seen the orbs or the UFOs on the live feed with Cryptovania last year, and it's also the same spot. Where Jim and I were stood during filming Welcome with the Wild Man and the Idlo, the two Bigfoots were directly behind Jim. They all happened on exactly the same part. I mean, oh literally on the same two footsteps of ground. Man, that sounds like a very good area. Very active. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's good stuff. Um, is that the only experience that you had, Jim? Or other experiences? Do you have any other experiences? Yeah, we had another one when uh, we were doing calls, and we, I have uh, I have uh, Ray comms here, radios here, uh, walkie-talkies. So uh, myself and uh, Ron were in one area of the bog, 
and Chris and the camera one, uh, cameraman were in another area. And uh, I think this is best said, uh, talked about by Chris, to be honest, because uh, Chris was the one doing the calling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I actually, I actually point that one towards Ron, but but I can add to that first of all. Yeah, we, me and Ben, the camera guy, were, uh, I suppose, about a mile, mile and a half from those guys and blasted off a call. And um, those guys, well, I radioed through to those guys, first of all, and warned them that I was going to do a call in case they got something else. Mm-hmm. I counted to 10 and then blasted a call. Um, and those guys heard that. They were quite chuffed that they could hear it um, so far away. And the next thing, I got a radio back through from Ron saying, did you call again? And I said, no. Definitely not, because literally as soon as I done my call, and Ben, Ben, who's not here, of course, but he would tell you, literally after I done my call, I took a choking fit. I took a real dry mouth after the mm-hmm. after the call, and I was choking. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, it was definitely not me, you know, and Ron says, well, then, you know. But Ron can answer that one too, maybe. Yeah. Um, we were we were on, uh, on the radio over and back, so we got... Chris to do a call first. So myself and Jim, we were actually recording at the time. We had one of the cameras and uh, Chris did a first call and it, he choked after about a second of it and it stopped. And we were, myself and Jim were looking at each other like, say, uh, is that all he did? You know, so uh, he radioed back and then said, you got a fit, you got a choke. So uh, we, he let one off again anyway. And, uh, I'd say not more than three or four seconds later, we had a, a second call. So where I was actually facing the direction where Chris was and he left off his call. And about four seconds later, there was another call from my my right, mm-hmm. which is the opposite side of the bog where Chris was. Mm-hmm. So I just turned to Jim and I said, did you hear that? And Jim said, yeah. So I, we radioed back to Chris and said, was it one call or two? He did. He said, just one. And I was like, oh. <laughs> yes. So we actually got an almost identical call. And and again, just to reiterate uh, the area that we're in, that it is, it's, it's a bog area or swamp. Mm-hmm. There's no high trees. So there's nothing, there's no, it's not in a valley. Mm-hmm. So there's no echoes. Right. So we could rule that out again also. And... It wasn't someone walking their dog screaming back at Chris Snyder. So. <laughs> you would hope. Um, yeah, so how, yeah. how did yeah. the call differ from Chris's call? It was slightly different in uh, in pitch. Okay. But uh, like I'm, I'm big into music. I, I know vocals, sounds, everything. It did come in a deeper, a deeper uh, pitch. Mm-hmm. But similar and the sound... Was actually would have matched him for for volume as well, you know, no problem. Okay. That actually came from behind us, Ron. Do you remember the sounds came? Yeah. Say, you know, uh, yeah. no, Chris, uh, Chris's uh, call came from from the front towards us, and the, uh, the reply came from behind us. So Chris didn't hear it, so that was that was uh, yeah. that was a, an unusual one. But there was another uh, time when uh, myself and uh, Chris, we're out squatching by ourselves, 
uh, with another member of the IBRO that was with us. Anthony was with us at the time. Um, we went to a different location, another active location. And uh, I was behind Chris, about 100 yards behind Chris. It was black, dark, uh, not a sound to be heard. We went into the woods and uh, the sort of ramparts where you walk around public walkways, we went around. So uh, Chris decided to let out a real long call, heavy call. And just as he did, I was 100 yards back and Chris couldn't hear it because he was calling. But to my left, about 150 yards in and up the hill, it sounded like a car crash in the woods, snap, bang, crash, something, whatever it was, got spooked and uh, was going away from us. It was, the noise was unbelievable. Heavy bells being smashed and cracked and stuff like that. Uh, I, I, I said it to the boys. So we, we proceeded to that location. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievably. It was, uh, we went in and uh, Chris says, uh, we'll go in here into this. So we went off the path and we went into a uh, heavy, heavy brush. And we got in about a couple of hundred yards in. Uh, we actually got lost on the way back. We couldn't find a way out. It's that take, it took us a while to get back. We got, out, we got a bit spooked. Uh, it took us a while to get out of it. But yes. uh, when we got in there, when we did get in there, we, uh, we thought we heard foot, footfall, you know, say, in front of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Chris says, right, turn everything off, turn all the lights out. So we turned it out. You couldn't see your hand in front. It was black dark. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we turned the lights back on, on the front of us, there was footfall and noises to our left. So we turned, we did the same again, turned them on and off again. And then, lo and behold, it was noises to our right. So at that stage, we said, right, that's it. And we lit up the place like Christmas. And, yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and we tried to get out of there as quick as we could, but we lost our bearings and uh, it took us a while to get out. So we, we got a bit spooked at that one. Mm-hmm. That was a, okay. a scary one. All right. So that one was intense. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Um, and then, Ron, have you had any other experiences besides these? All my experiences I've had was with the guys during filming okay. because uh, I'm, I'm five hours drive from Chris. Okay. And two hours drive from gym. So okay. basically any time we were meeting up was to go filming. Okay. Um, but we've had a few hair-raising moments <laughs> during filming too. Uh, a lot of it on film, thank God, um, which oh, we'll okay. see in part two. I wasn't on I wasn't on the first documentary, so I was brought in um, as an independent uh, investigator, so to speak, for part two. Mm-hmm. Uh, just kind of going over what the guys had found in part one, basically. Okay. But uh, but even do my own small bits of research, I've I've found structures and stuff like in areas, you know, in okay. the last few months. Yeah. So I'm getting a few reports as well from people across the country who have had experiences that they can't explain. You know, so uh, people are starting to open up a bit more, which is very good, also. That's good. That's good. Especially. So is the topic of Bigfoot or, you know, anything related like that, is it as taboo there as it is here? Uh, worse. Worse. Yeah. <laughs> because they're not that really, one. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's yeah. Chris, you can answer that one. It's uh, yeah, Ron is right. It's worse. It is worse. Chris. Okay. Yeah. Um, most definitely uh, multiplied by a hundred percent. Um, <laughs> 
yeah, it's uh, it's, it's one of those things that um, you have to really squeeze out of people. And I think, um, I suppose there's no really, uh, you know, if you look at the population density of this of North America and um, on Ireland, I suppose if you worked out those figures, it wouldn't be much different, you know. But because Ireland is only like, what, what six, seven million population, whatever it is, um, it, obviously that's going to make it um, more likely or more unlikely that people are going to come forward. Uh, right. But as I say, if you weigh that out with the population of the states, etc., it would work out something the same. Mm-hmm. And I actually, actually spent a lot of time a few years ago and worked out the figures that I sort of I sort of added up the amount of sightings that there has been in Ireland um, versus the population, mm-hmm. and then done the same with the states, and um, not not with North America, I just with the US, um, with the sightings inside the US on the population. And mm-hmm. um, I can't remember the exact figures now, but if you looked at the percentages, it worked out exactly the same. Really. Even the um, even the amount of sightings per per head of population worked out exactly the same. Okay, which um, was that was actually very strange. That was actually one of the questions from the chat. Ramona wanted to know: Is there a map of sightings there? Yeah, we have actually created a map, um, and I think it's on our public Facebook page somewhere. Uh, if they want, we can repost that because it's probably down the page somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but sure, we can definitely repost that on our Facebook page later. Yep. Okay, awesome. Um, are there a lot of uh, Bigfoot researchers over there, or I mean, yeah, well, we have we have a thirty-two members here, mm-hmm. and our group. There's another few research groups as well. So um, I suppose, well, you know. There's obviously there's people who aren't part of research groups as well, just like in the states too. You know what I mean? So, right, yeah. Suppose maybe maybe a couple of hundred anyway. You know, uh, but our, I suppose our organization our organization would be would be probably the biggest. Okay. You know, obviously we've got wider a wider membership in the nice. states and in Britain and um, other parts of the world as well. But mm-hmm. yeah, there's probably a couple of hundred that I know of anyway. Okay. Um... Another question from the chat from Lane. What do you think the population is in Ireland of these creatures? That, uh, even the, the figures that they come out with North America, something like 5,000 individuals. I mean, there's probably 5,000 squatches in Oklahoma, in my view. You know, I just think that that figure, whoever came up with that in North America, is in cuckoo land. Okay. Um, <laughs> There's more chance of going and seeing a couple of, couple of berries. I mean, these right. things are everywhere. This particular area that I'm in now, here, it's a small bog area. It's got a full clan of woodwish here. We have found all the prints. Mm-hmm. We have found mommy. We have found daddy. We have found the babies. We have found the teenagers. All different sizes of prints. Um, so there's a full clan here. Mm-hmm. Uh, my second research area, which is about... 15, 20 miles as the crow flies here. There's a complete clan there of Irish Bigfoot. Mm-hmm. They're only up the road from the Woodwish. So, I mean, and I've seen those guys too. I can elaborate on that for you if you want. Um, but those, there's a full clan in that area as well. Mm-hmm. You know, so this, that's just a localized area there of 15 to 20 miles. Mm-hmm. 
and we have at least, what I reckon, seven to eight squatches in peatlands, and about roughly the same here where I am now in Woodbush. So that's just in, in within 15 miles. Right. Um, so a question from Stephen. He wants to know, have you established travel patterns there? Do they stay in that area? Do they move as the seasons change? Uh, I, I haven't seen anything to, su- to suggest that. The only thing that I've seen is that this area here is, is generally known as a woodbush territory. And like I said, the squatch that's been seen here a few times, the grey squatch, mm-hmm. he's either passing through mm-hmm. or he's been removed from his clan, which I believe, that's, that's the one I believe he's been removed from his clan up in mm-hmm. Peatlands below Loch Ness. I believe he's been booted out by the alpha male. And that could suggest he's on the move, or it could just suggest that he's been, like I said, like I believe he's been booted out, mm-hmm. and he's tried to make home here where I'm sitting now. Mm-hmm. Whether the Woodways here have accepted them into their group, I don't I don't know. I don't believe so. Um, but there is, there is evidence to suggest that, yes, because... Um, Tree structures have been found at intervals along river routes, along canals, and those sorts of things. So, yeah, it's po- very possible, yeah. Okay. All right. Um, so, on, and everybody just, um, <coughs> I am getting to your questions. I just want to kind of uh, get to the questions as we approach those topics, or I will go back and approach those questions. I just don't want to be, you know, popcorning all over the place. I want to try to stay on topic as much as possible. Um so we had a question on whenever you guys research, you know, one of my questions I sent to you guys was, um, what techniques do you use? What equipment do you use? Do you go, um, during the day at night, you know, so. Yeah. We let, uh, Chris talk, uh, answer that one. Chris is our, our tech guy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anything that we can get our hands on, basically. Um, <laughs> yeah, same. I find drones great. And I don't know why. I don't know whether it's the sound of the drone or the flashing lights that intrigues them. Um, that's up for debate. I personally think it's a little flashing lights. You know, if you're using them at night time, um, that, that's probably my favourite technique. Uh, I actually seen three. Three our our squatch uh, within about fifteen minutes. Um, by doing that, I can elaborate on that one shortly if you want, Lauren. Um, but yeah, drones, I suppose, music, um, generally just making noise does work. Mm-hmm. Uh, but definitely the drones, I think. And one one well, some will argue a laser, a laser pen is actually quite good too. We've used laser pens, and that has. Okay. Um, brought forward some some um, activity. Mm-hmm. It has also lost me activity because I actually was a bit foolish and shone a laser pen directly at a squatch. Mm-hmm. And you actually seen it jumping out of the tree. Do you know what I mean? And it was away like the hammers, you know? So it, they obviously don't like that. Right. So it's okay if you're shining the, the laser pen about and stuff like that. But right. Just for yourself and anybody watching, don't shine a laser pen directly at them because they don't like that, obviously. Yeah. But uh, one thing that's really, really good is an infrared illuminator. 
So, yeah, you can actually buy them on Amazon quite cheaply. Hold on, I'm stuck in my teeth. I bought one on Amazon. I think it was like 11 pounds. It was about 13 or 14 dollars. Mm-hmm. And we, can't, we actually can't see infrared light, obviously, right? Because we're humans. But they can, right? Mm-hmm. And if you have an infrared illuminator torch, just shine it through the woods. Mm-hmm. And they can see that. Because, I mean, many researchers believe that they see an infrared light. So they're nocturnal, so they can see it at nighttime. Mm-hmm. Just as many believe they use infrasound as well right. to disable their their prey and stuff they got. Right. And that's actually how we got the uh, the Bigfoot directly behind Jim and walking with the wild man because we were in complete darkness. Mm-hmm. We had no lights on whatsoever. Only the infrared illuminators were on. So they've obviously seen that and they've come right in to see what's going on, you know, and that actually worked the treat. Between, so I would say between that and the drone would be my favorite sort of option, you know? Okay, yeah. Um, do you guys use, you know, thermal and, and all the night vision, all of that as well? Oh, yeah, yeah, we've got all that. Um, I actually had to sell my thermal camera, unfortunately, there. But uh, we have, we've got a great infrared system. So, I mean, the infrared system that we use for filming, filming the, the movies Mm-hmm. Um, it literally lights up the woods, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's unbelievable how it does it, because if you're standing there, right, you can't see a thing. You cannot see one inch in front of you, but it, you turn right. this illuminator on and look through the viewfinder of the camera, you can see the moon, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> so they really are they really are some job, you know? It's, it's, the infrared is definitely the best, the best in my view, for, for squatching, yeah. Okay. Um, and so you said, you know, some of the techniques you use, you do call blasting, you do just calls, you do the laser pointer that you recommend other people maybe don't point directly at the squatch. Um, and you do, do you do wood knocks and such? Um, it depends on where you are, obviously, too, because the, the wood boys here don't do wood knocks. Okay. So... It's only the it's only the grey man, the same as the as the American squatch that does that. And the wood voice generally go better with whistles. So I mean, they've actually copied me directly what I've done, and okay. they actually were that good at it. I thought maybe it was an escape part or something like that, you know, at one point. But the Irish squatch, of course, responds to knocks, and I suppose over the summertime, I think it was maybe July, August. The last time I got a few knocks back, um, and one, it was actually that intense. They actually kept, kept knocking, mm-hmm. so I like I knocked a few times, you know, and they kept doing it. And I thought maybe because of that that I've maybe got another set of squatchers out here, you know. Right. I might knock until another set of squatchers, right? But mm-hmm. that continued, and then all of a sudden, about fifteen minutes after that, I was standing nice and quietly. And about 50 yards from me, boom, on the tree. Okay. So it was literally 50 yards, and it came up yeah. right up to me, knocked on the tree, and I said, right, okay, it's not squatchers, oh, right? No. So, <laughs> so I, started to move, I started to move out and headed towards the car, right? And I, I, I was sort of about half a mile walk back to the car, and they were still knocking, even though I threw my stick away. And I was heading to the car. They were still knocking. What they were looking to play, I don't know what they were looking to do, but they kept knocking. You know, I, yeah. I turned around and I just shouted, listen, i got to go home. 
they were probably like let's see how you like it and they just went to town on the yeah. on knocking <laughs> yeah. um so do you uh do there you guys another prefer- one there was another one uh, lauren there was another mm-hmm. sorry stop no, there. there was another uh, uh technique that we came up with which was a baby crying through okay. a megaphone okay. in the middle of the woods and as Chris would tell you, it would make the hair stand up on your back, listening to it. It was very, very spooky. <laughs> and unfortunately, it had the uh, the wrong effect. It's, uh, oh. I think Ron was there, and uh, it basically it brought in a big cat and a growl behind uh, Ron, and uh, we had to abandon that fairly quick. But, uh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's <laughs> that was one of, the, one of the ideas that we, that we did. Um, I mean, I, I think in the first, uh, walking with wild man film, I think, uh, Chris said, one of you said, um, you know, that you had heard a, a big cat or you thought it was a big cat and that you would, you would face a wood woes any day versus a big cat. Um, I'm yeah. the same way, like <laughs> a uh, big yeah. cat. That's yeah. something I'm very, very scared of in the woods. I, I get very nervous if I think that I'm being stalked or, you know, yeah. There is a story there. I think Chris has it there about uh, when he was when he got the the railway sized uh, sleeper sized uh, log uh, thrown at him. If mm-hmm. you want to tell that one, Chris. Yeah. Yeah, that was my second most ever encounter. Um, my first encounter was I suppose something similar. Only there was nothing. There was actually nothing actually threw, thrown at me. But on that occasion was one of the times that I heard the chatter and I had heard chatter on my right hand side which indicated there were two different voices so it indicated to me that there was two squatches two wood these were wood boys so there was two of those right and just shortly after that the chatter just stopped a few seconds later I heard a massive groan on my left and just as I heard that I started to hear the feet on my left walking beside me so it was probably 40-50 feet away on my left Um, and you could clearly hear the bipedal walking now the thing about that was was it's bog land there's a lot of water right? so I thought maybe is this a fox or a badger or something that got swimming Mm -hmm. and I sort of tried to get, gather my thoughts, you know, because you, you try to pass these things off. Um, if, you, if you've if you ever been on vacation, right, and you've been on the kids' end of the swimming pool, mm-hmm. and you, have you ever walked around mm-hmm. and, you know, walked in the pool and pushed your legs forward in the pool, so you get that swishing sound rather than a, rather than swimming. Right. Where if you're swimming, you're, get, you're getting the splash down. This was the swish, swish, mm-hmm. swish, swish. Now, that water is about four feet deep. Oh. And this was walking with ease through that. Right. Right. And it was about at least 300 metres to my car from there. Got up to the end of the trail. This followed me the entire way. And actually had my car, at this point had my car in my sights. And I just sort of Turned around to my right slightly, and as I done that, I heard a swish coming through the air. Just the, heard the actual the movement of the air going mm-hmm. going past me, and 
plunk on the ground. A railroad size sleeper log was landing right beside my feet. Now, I don't know whether it tried to hit me or missed me deliberately, but it done that there. It landed behind me, and I heard just sort of heard like a bit of a grunt after that. And I said, okay, it's time to go. And lucky enough, I was only a few steps at that point from the car. And it was one of those ones, Lauren, where you, you actually jump in the car and you're expecting it to come to the window, you know? <laughs> so it was that, that one was actually pretty frightening because it was only my second ever encounter. Right. Um, I didn't know what to expect. And I just, I was just waiting for that marker encounter where it sticks his head out through the hedge, you know? Yes, yes. Where Matt had his, when he was a wee lad, it just stuck his head outside the head right beside him, you know. Oh so I was waiting God. for that on the window with a big hand on the window, you know. <laughs> so that is terrifying. that was pretty intense, yeah. That would be enough to run me out of the woods. I mean, and that was actually one of the questions from the chat was, "Are do you have any reports or experiences with aggressive encounters?" Jim, are on? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had this. Um, I wouldn't I'd say aggressive uh from my recollection they uh they tend to frighten the life out of people mm-hmm. you know and uh they can get really 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 close up on people literally people can turn around and are standing behind them and how they something so big can get so close without mm-hmm. being heard is uh I don't know I don't know how I know it's frustrating um Ron, do you have any uh, aggressive encounters? No? No. Um, what we do have is an upside-down tree structure okay. up in one part of the forest. Uh, big dog forest is called. Uh, that's an area that we have researched, and we've been close to there for filming as well. And it's Sasquatch country up there, you know. They're, they're 10 foot up there. And... I've seen other structures up there too to tell me there's a big display of uh, dominance up there and okay. I reckon they're fairly aggressive too. But uh, upside down tree is a, is a, a big feat of strength, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could, I mean, yeah, definitely. And it's, it's, what do you think, cause you've, you've obviously come across structures. What do you think they are? Um, or their purpose, I guess. Well, the, the purpose for structures. Mm-hmm. Um, I think some of the the tree bends, I think, are uh, their directional posts. I think mm-hmm. uh, we found a big tree bend with two other smaller bends behind them, mm-hmm. pointing to water source. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the down trees, I think, are a marker. They're probably territorial marker. Um, I've seen a few tree snaps here, but they're 50-50, you know. You can't 100% say they're made by Sasquatch, you know. Right. Uh, I've seen a couple of X-bends, all right, so big X's. Mm-hmm. Um, but definitely markers, they're, they're marking their area and their direction also. Right, I I agree with that. Um, I've had that same experience here and I know a lot of other people who have as well. Um, so yeah, 
same across the world, apparently. Yeah. Um, so I had another question from JJ. And um, so, Ron, if you want to answer, have you or have you had reports of smelling them? What do they smell like over there? Um, funnily enough, I was I was out uh, in a part of the woods a few weeks ago and I had my young lad with me and just totally off the, off the cuff. I remember I did some loud clapping and it was late in the evening and it was, it was in the middle of an hour and uh, there was actually like a knock or a clap back from in the woods mm-hmm. and I didn't say much about it to my young lad. I didn't want to spook him too much. But uh, as we were walking on, he just turned and says, what's that awful smell? <laughs> and I was there, are you serious? Like, was, yeah, yeah. And just totally innocently, he said it like, as a, let's keep walking, we keep going a bit quicker, you know. But uh, we haven't got much reports. I, I think Chris had one time he said he could smell something when he passed an area. But that was in Woodwoo's territory. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if he had any up in his other uh, research area where the Sasquatches. Mm-hmm. But uh, I know if Chris can remember that day. I remember him doing a live feed, a live feed all right that day, and he did say he, he got like a, a weird smell all right. Yeah, there is a section. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead, Chris. Yeah. That was just a few weeks. About a few weeks back, actually. Um, it was one of the nights that we got the idol on the live feed. And um, when I actually got down to that spot where it was, then I did smell uh, a stench that I can't even explain, to be honest. Um, something that I haven't really came across much. I think that was only the second time. Um, but yeah, definitely a, a, a wicked, wicked stench. Yeah. Okay. What did it smell like? Like, did it smell like feces? Did it smell like trash, urine, bog, water? Probably all of it put together, Lauren, yeah. Um, <laughs> and, yeah. Decomposing flesh. It smelled like something that hadn't been washed in years. Okay. Gross. You know, if you ever walk into the store and you smell that guy at the, at the, at the, at the teller, yeah. he hasn't, you know, maybe... You know what I mean? Yeah, something like that multiply by a hundred. Okay. <laughs> yeah. We had that. Uh, we had that during filming, Chris. If you remember, it, it's actually in the first documentary when we were in the wood and it starts to sleet, the mm-hmm. uh, sleet and snow, and uh, I said to you, "What is that smell?" <laughs> <laughs> it came. It came up. It came from nowhere. There was nothing around us. We couldn't. Mm-hmm. But it, it it disappeared as soon as it came. Uh, we followed it down to the main road, but it disappeared. It was a mixture of rotting flesh, silage, uh, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, it was, it was, I don't know. But it was no, we were in an area where there was no farmers spreading, uh, say, pig slurry or anything like mm-hmm. that. But it was really, really, it was rank. It was very bad now. But, uh, but we get, it disappeared within 60 seconds. It, it was gone. So okay. we don't know what it was. It was unusual. Okay. All right. That's, I mean, we've had a lot of, usually that's how I know they're around when I'm researching is I'll just get this overwhelming smell of urine. Um, and it's like urine and mildewed 
foliage, you know, um, mulchy, like mildewed leaves or rotting log mixed with urine and sometimes skunk. And it's just, and then it just, it comes and then it just goes away and I don't smell it again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, there's another question from the chat from Cryptidville. Um, do you have a lot of people reporting seeing bioluminescence with Bigfoot eye shine? So, um, eye shine happening without a light source, um, or have you experienced anything similar to that? I haven't seen any Bigfoot eyes that have been reflected off a light source. All the eye that I have seen has all been self-sufficient. Um, it doesn't need a light source um, to, to show up. Whereas if you had, a say, a wolf or a fox or or a deer or whatever, you, you have to shine your your, your clear headlights on that or a torch on that mm-hmm. to make that glow. But Bigfoot doesn't need that. Definitely not. Okay. Have you always, I know that um, in the documentaries there's red eye shine and that you guys have all mentioned red eye shine. Do you find other colors of eye shine? Maybe depending on different light sources or independently. Mm-hmm. White. white, white eye shine. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So white um, and red. Um, Chris, no- Chris was on a live feed uh, a few weeks ago, and I t- I'm not sure if it was Stephen where he had uh, the laser pen, mm-hmm. but uh, I was watching on the live feed, and I don't think Chris could have seen it too well, but I seen a, a white eye shine, mm-hmm. and it was like up in the tree, and it just. When when he brought his he had he had his torch on but when he brought his torch on towards the trail and off to the side where the ice shine was you could just see the ice shine just zipping off as if it leapt off the tree and then you could see it when there wasn't uh, actually a light source on it you could actually see it in the in the picture so it was still glowing after the yeah, yeah. the headlamp you guys um so just for my American people who don't understand a torch is a flashlight or headlamp. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> to translate for some people. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I have had some comments on the accents. And you guys, I wanted y'all to all know, these guys are doing me a favor. Actually, not just me. They're doing you all a favor. They are actually slowing their accent down um, so that everybody can understand them. They're doing us a solid right now, us, us dumb Americans that, you know, can't understand any other <laughs> accents. <laughs> so I appreciate you guys uh, slowing it down for us so that we can hear you. Um, and then we had another question from Lane Goodspeed. Um, thank you, Lane, for all of your questions, by the way. Thank you, all of you, for all of your questions. These are great questions. Um, do you think that the Bigfoot mimic human and other sounds? So mimic human sounds back to you, mimic other animals? Mm. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Chris, think- has, uh, Chris has had that happen to him. Chris has actually had that happen to him a few times. Yeah, the best one there that I touched on earlier was, yeah, was the whistles. Um, uh, not far from here, I suppose, just a couple of miles from here. Um, done a few whistles on distinctly, you know, like, if I can repeat it, sort of. So I, I made it. I made it deliberately distinctful, mm-hmm. and I've done exactly the same thing back. Really, so um, very very deep, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I suppose the funniest occasion was where I am here now. 
the same spot where I got growled at. Uh, it was just over the summertime. I was down retrieving the trail camera. And I think it was a juvenile woodwish because it almost sounded like it was trying to learn to whistle. So it sounded like an old an old house, saying like an old haunted house, Lauren, where you're sleeping overnight and you, you can hear the wind creeping through the creeks in the in the house, you know. Um, that's exactly how it sounded, sort of. It's hard, yeah. hard to do, but <laughs> yeah. it was all. I thought it was. I just the first thing in mind it was a juvenile trying to whistle, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was no wind that night whatsoever, you know. So, uh, you know, I actually felt sorry for it because <laughs> I couldn't actually whistle, really, you know. <laughs> and it, yeah, <clears throat> it was trying to get my attention. I did a whistle back then, and it kept going, even though I had stopped. And uh, bless it, it was trying its best, but it was only a. A learner, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, that's that's actually very interesting. Poor little guy. He was trying his best, you know. Um, I mean, you have to think. I just wonder how much their mouths resemble ours, you know, because it, I, I would feel like in proportion to their bodies, they have bigger mouths and so bigger lips. And, um, you know, trying to whistle and, and imitate us. And it probably sounds like a woodwind versus, you know, a flute or something, you know. Um, yeah, that, that one actually did, you know, that one did sound like that, you know, sort of in between that. Um, I, like I said, I put up mine to an old house on a, on a, on a wild winter's night, you know, mm-hmm. um, but very directional at the same time, hard to explain, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but definitely the first thing I thought of was juvenile, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And so you do, you, have you heard them imitating other animals? Like here, we'll hear owl calls, but... It's like a very sick owl. It's it's not that owl is not healthy, and also it sounds much. There's a different resonance to it than a normal owl call. It's a deeper owl call, or just something's off about it. Um, when we were filming uh, for part two of the documentary, uh, it was midnight. I think we were finishing up, and. I could hear like a little bird chirping mm-hmm. at midnight. Now, I'm not 100% sure what it was, but we don't have many birds here that chirp during the night. Mm-hmm. No, any nocturnal animals, as you said, would be an owl. Uh, just as like a little bird chirp. And the bird chirping was actually moving. So when we came out of the woods uh, in three spots and we were still getting activity there at the time, uh, I had a parabolic microphone on. And I was still getting a, a lot of movement in the woods, but I was still getting this like a bird chirping sound. So kind of unexplainable. Definitely. Definitely. Um, I mean, we get that a lot here with other animals as well. Um, that actually takes me to a question I had earlier. Um, do you prefer day or night research? And for that reason, because, you know, the birds and everything might be more active in the day for you guys. Night time for me, anyway, uh, Lauren. Uh, definitely, uh, as as you know, as I said, we do have crickets and grasshoppers and stuff like that, but they don't make a sound at night time. We don't have the calling like you guys have. It's deathly quiet over here at night time. You can hear a pin drop, yeah. so that's you know in our uh, favour, as they say. And uh, you'll see a lot of that in the part two of the documentary as well. Okay. So awesome, awesome. Okay, um, I'm gonna. 
follow up on a few of these questions and then we will talk about the film. Um, and then I will let you go so that Chris can go thaw out in his vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So is there a trend? Um, all right. So there are two separate questions. I'm going to kind of combine them. So do you have a lot of caves over there? And is there a trend of sightings near these caves? Also, is there a trend of these creatures being near graveyards? Because here we have a lot of sightings near graveyards. So caves and graveyards. <laughs> yeah, the graveyards, we do have um, the locations we were in, in Big Dog. Uh, there was graveyards where we were, all right. And uh, it is uh, an active area where we were. It's a vast area uh, between the, the lake. The lock is uh, it's vast. There's uh, about 200 or more islands on the lake itself. Uh, it's surrounded. It's medieval. It goes back to uh, way back in Celtic history. You have old uh, monasteries that were there a thousand years, uh, graveyards going back. Uh, but yeah, they do frequent and in that area are not too particular. I think Chris might be better educated on on that question for the you know uh, for the other stuff. Okay. Yeah, well, that area you mentioned, Jim, um, the Big Dog area is actually part of the Marble Arch Caves Geo Park. So. Yep. The area is completely littered with caves. Um, okay. They're all over the show. And I've actually been in a few. And why they're beautiful, they have all those big, what's those big things called that comes down from the ceiling in the caves? Stalactites. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they have all those. It's beautiful. I actually think they actually filmed an episode of Doctor Who in there years ago. Really? Um, <laughs> yeah, I think they filmed a Doctor Who in there at one point in the 70s, yeah. Um, very, very beautiful, but the whole area is littered with caves. No actual reports that I know of of a Bigfoot in or, in or around the cave, but okay. I would say that they do definitely use them in the area, yeah, most definitely. Okay. okay, and then I had another question. Back to the UFOs or orb or whatever you saw. Um, do you have a lot of reports with Sasquatch and UFO or alien connections? Or do you, uh, um, what are your thoughts on that as well? Well, in my, in my area where I am now, and Jim and Anthony have been here a few times with me and seen the same thing. I see it quite regular. Even last week, I was sitting quite close to here on the phone with Ron. I can't remember what we were chatting about, but probably arranging something or whatever. And um, I was just mentioning to Ron, I point out that I'm sitting watching UFOs moving about in the sky here. Um, there's been times where I've had movement in the forest and clearly Bigfoot activity. And at the same time, you can see lights moving about in the sky. Yeah. So okay. I don't think, I don't personally believe that there's a connection. Right. I believe that maybe they're just as much interested in the Bigfoot as what they are us. That's just my view. Um, you know, maybe they're doing abducting them as well. I don't know. But... <laughs> Certainly, yeah. Well, I mean, I wouldn't fancy abducting a Bigfoot, no offense to the aliens, but, yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh you know, like, you know, beam and then like, rawr, you know. <laughs> yes, yeah, they you don't know, know but... quite what they're getting a hold of. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, most of the abduction stories I've heard, um, the person is kind of, you know, paralyzed and can't move. So maybe they would do that to the Bigfoots. I don't know. Um, okay. And then yeah. 
uh, Zan has a question. Have you ever experienced zapping or infrasound? Um, any of you? Oh, yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Me too. Yeah. So go ahead. Tell yeah, me. Yeah, we uh, were. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Big time. Uh, only um, a month ago, myself really? and Chris, well, maybe a little bit, a little bit more than a month ago, a month and a half, maybe. Uh, we were filming uh, the a, a couple of uh, you know, editing shots that we needed to do for uh, finishing up part two of the documentary. So we went up, and uh, I had uh, I'd only got five words to say on the. It's all my line was five words, <laughs> and uh, it was in in the meantime. Chris had heard uh, I I had gone back to the car to get uh, you know, more equipment, and uh, Chris said he heard a cracking. A big, large bang, or a knock, or a crack in the woods, about about eighty to fifty yards away from him. And from that moment on, when that happened, we we came back. Uh, we tried to film, tried to film, and tried to film to get this uh, finished. And I couldn't get two words together. I didn't feel well. So Chris says, "Okay, I'll do it." And Chris couldn't do it either. So whatever <laughs> happened, I got a fierce headache. My eyes were on fire. Chris got a headache at the same time. We didn't feel well at all. And we we actually got what we wanted to do. But I, when we got home, I drove home from the north that time. It took me uh, two and a half hours to get home. And all the way home, I had a massive headache. Mm -hmm. And the same, when I got home, I texted Chris. I was in bed. I couldn't sleep. My head was pounding. I didn't feel well at all. And Chris said he felt the same. So I believe, uh, as, I've, as, as Chris does, we got hit with something. Is that right, Chris? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, um, that was that's actually my third time that I've been hit by infrasound. Um, uh, I told Jim that this actually our version was actually quite mild mm -hmm. compared to the other two times, and that may possibly be because there was two of us. Mm -hmm. um, is it maybe possible that if it's one Bigfoot? And they're focusing that infrasound on one person, it would be more intense. If it's one big Bigfoot fo focusing on two people, maybe it doesn't do the same justice. I don't know. But I certainly, um, definitely, Jim's 100% right. Everything Jim said, it happened to me as well. Um, but of course, the worst one that ever happened to me was in, in out in Peatlands. I, I was by myself. I actually find myself in a very, very thick part of the woods and I actually got a little bit worried and I actually prayed for her to get me out of here. Uh, and just as I'd done that, I got hit by infrasound. The sweat was running off me, it was pumping. I could actually see my heart moving in my chest. Oh my gosh. And I thought I was taking a heart attack, you know? Mm -hmm. So I actually had to stop and sit down for probably 40, 45 minutes before I could even move. Um, it was deeply, deeply frightening, especially being so thick in the woods. It was probably about three miles from the car and the woods were so thick. This was during the day mm -hmm. and I could I could barely see, you know, through the trees. It was, it was so thick. And how I even got in that far is beyond me, to be honest. Um, I was following a small stream. Um, and obviously, I walked right into their into their home, you know, mm -hmm. and they've just they've just hit me, and that was it, you know. Yeah, 
That's very intense. You know, that's one of the more intense infrasounds, the stories that I've heard, actually. You know, um, a lot of people will feel intense fear. Um, they'll feel lethargic. They'll feel a pounding, uh, pulsating in their chest, or they'll feel like a pressure, um, headaches. I've heard of those, um, but never, I don't think I've ever heard one quite as severe as that. Yeah, it's very, it's very possible that I probably got maybe hit by a couple of scratches, uh, mm-hmm. you know, at the same time. Um, but definitely it was very, very intense and very, very scary. Um, and it took me ages and ages getting back to the car. Um, obviously, I had to wait for a good while before I let myself calm down. Um, and lucky enough, it's, it's actually quite strange the way your mind works, but I was convinced I was so deep in. I was very deep in, but little did I know, there was actually a trail, oh. probably about 200 yards from me, which was like a godsend. Mm-hmm. You know, I came, came across this trail. I got myself up on Google Maps to see where I was. Um, I followed that trail out. I didn't hear anything else after that, thankfully, but... Um, yeah, that was probably my most ever intense encounter ever yet. Oh my gosh, that that sounds intense. And then, um, the uh, Ron, have you ever uh, experienced that? No, I've uh, at that evening when the two guys uh, were out doing a bit of filming, I was actually waiting on call. Uh, I was supposed to do a video call with them for part of the documentary, and they kept me waiting for an hour and a half. <laughs> so that's that's how disorientated they were, you know. So like yeah. I'm waiting at six thirty for this video call and just after eight eight PM they ring me, you know, and basically they said, Yeah, two more minutes now, two more minutes, just do five lines, five lines, five words, five words, ten words. They didn't have a clue what they were doing. They were just they were all over the place. Like, oh my god. Uh, yeah. So th- that was my experience from it. Right, you got. <laughs> lucky enough, lucky enough, I haven't. No. Okay. Yeah. So you got the side effects of it, you know. Yeah. Um, negative side. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, there are a lot of people. Um, we had a question from the chat. She wanted to know: Do you believe that these guys um, can cloak or are interdimensional? You know, that is a big thing over here. There are a lot of people who believe that. Um, so along those lines on what y'all think, do you, what do you think they are? Are they flesh and blood? Are they paranormal? Um... Hmm. <laughs> Myself, I think they're, I think they're flesh and blood. Very, very close to us. Very intelligent. Uh, I think that they, they bury their own. That's why we can't find them. Find any bodies anywhere. Mm-hmm. Same in the States. I think they bury their own. So, uh, yeah, I, I know it's a big topic. Uh, as I said, I've listened to over 10,000 podcasts mm-hmm. uh, over the last eight, Shush. eight years. So. Cheers, everyone. Can you guys hear that? There's something crying. Okay, continue. 
Probably when we start talking, <laughs> it'll start doing it again when we are not paying attention. Yeah. <laughs> um, but there, my views, uh, Lauren. Yeah, I think they're flesh and blood. Very, mm -hmm. very, very intelligent. Mm -hmm. I think they bury their own. Uh, it's you know that's how we, we we haven't found them. We you know they it's as I say, how many people have found a dead bear in the woods? Right. How many people have found a dead wolf in the woods? Nature take care of its fair fairly quickly. Mm hmm. Yes, um, I, I agree with that. Ron, how about you? Yeah, I'm not too far off that neither. Um, the reason I say that is because throughout say, Ireland and Europe, especially, uh, they just go back in history for hundreds and hundreds of years. Mm -hmm. um, and on the funny side of it, if they smell so bad, like, wouldn't you think that uh, they get cleaned up if they were coming down on the UFO? <laughs> Yeah. Just joking, you know. Yeah, no, I, no, I know. Really know but, uh, <laughs> yeah, look, um, on the cloaking side of things, I wouldn't rule out that uh, their hair could be a small bit translucent, mm -hmm. but I just think that they're just so agile and they move so quick that in a blink of an eye, they can, they can clear 10 yards, you know. Right. They're, they're just so big and powerful. They can move so quick. And you hear reports of a, uh, People saying that just with one leap, it let it clear 10 yards. You know? mm -hmm. They have that power to, to clear such ground so quickly. Quietly um, as well. And quietly, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, the lads can testify to that. They, they've been right up close with them and not even here. They've been behind yeah. them. I, I, I think personally they've been within 20 feet of the guys when I was doing my investigations with them and they didn't know they were there. Mm -hmm. No, that's that's some feat for to be seven or eight foot tall and whatever, five or 600 pounds. Um, it's some feat for an animal, you know, right. or a person or a thing, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. But <laughs> on my own beliefs, I think uh, they have a crossover of human DNA. And I think that's why a lot of the testing that has been done for DNA sampling is been classed as uh, tampered because mm -hmm. the DNA from humans shows up in it. I can see that. Um, they're super intelligent. Mm -hmm. they, they're on a different, they're on a different uh, sense level to humans. They're, they're just so higher up. Mm -hmm. um, they know their areas. If you walk into your kitchen and you see a cup on the table or on the counter, you know it shouldn't be there. Mm -hmm. I think they're like that in the woods. Mm -hmm. They'll notice things out of place, you know. Mm -hmm. They're just so highly tuned. Their, their senses are unbelievable, I think. Right. No, I agree completely. Um, I tell people that, you know, they sneak into the woods. And I said, you know, if somebody's standing in your living room, even if they're silent, you know they're there because that's your domain. You know, so I I feel the same way. Um, <laughs> um, very well said. Chris, uh so I want to hear what you think they are, but first, um, one of my bossier listeners and moderators in the chat would like to direct you on how to research, and he said, can you please do a whistle or a call or something, um, and then, you know. Yeah, um, well...
Sometimes you get that directly back. But I, I don't usually get a lot from calls, mm-hmm. like I say, but that's because I research the woodbush more than Squatch, yeah. I suppose. Um, mm-hmm. You know, but I suppose they do. They do calls. They have been reported doing calls. But yeah, whistles, yeah, there's definitely the winner for me. Okay. But we'll try one again, yeah. Yes, the thing you got to do is not make it like any other bird sound, you know? So, if those are the birds in the air, you got to know what they do. Mm-hmm. So, you don't want to you don't want to mimic a bird. Absolutely. So, you want to make it pretty clear that it's, you know, it's something different to get to get that back. But there was something crying there a while ago. Um, I don't know whether it was a fox or... Uh, it might be something being caught by a squatch, I don't know. Because one of the witnesses in this area actually, actually reported that. That's the first thing he heard was an animal being killed. Oh my gosh. So the squatch was in the the squatch was in the process of making dinner. And um, that's how this item came about. He actually stumbled upon a watcher. Mm-hmm. We believe that it was a watcher at the end of, at the edge of the woods mm-hmm. and it was making dinner. Mm-hmm. Um and he stood up. The squatch stood up right beside the guy. It was literally five feet behind him. Literally, that's how close it was. He was looking directly up at it, the guy. And it was just breathing down upon him. Heavy breath, just breathing on him. I can't imagine. <laughs> as if to say, <laughs> yeah, he, you know, the, the guy that's seen it, you know, he, his thoughts were listen, the squatch was looking at me and saying that. I am in the process of making dinner here, my sir, and you are not getting my dinner, so mm-hmm. back off. That's the impressions that he got. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I could. Yeah, that's pretty yeah. interesting. Um, so we'll see if you get something, you know, come investigate you. Um, so what do you think that uh, Sasquatch are? Flesh and blood? 100% flesh and blood. Um, probably my... My, well, my, my, my favourite encounter that I've had, if you can class that as, as a favourite, was in April 2019. It was an old, wet, damp day. and It's one of the best days, in my view, to go to the woods because it means that people stay at home. Okay. Um, so I brought the drone with me. I had six full batteries for the drone. Each, each battery lasted about 20 minutes. So I took a big mod route around, um, and, and little intervals, I left the drone up, flew it over the top of the woods, used up an entire battery, brought it back, walked a bit, done the same again, drone up in the air, back down, walked a bit more, and so on. And I'd actually walked about three miles by this stage, and um, the drone... It just landed. The last battery, of course, just landed. And I looked over about 300 metres away. And I seen two heads popping up and down behind the hedge. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, is it the wind blowing the bushes? Then I realised it's not windy, of course. There's no wind at all. <laughs> right. These two heads were popping up and down. And then I just looked to the right of that. And there was your typical swatch standing out. With the old, the old famous stance, mm-hmm. with the arms and stuff to the side, just looking at me, 
But this was now this was three hundred meters three hundred meters away. It was quite a distance, um, but I could clearly see it. Mm-hmm. And I said, "Right, okay." So I headed up the trail more, and probably got about another half a mile up the trail. I'll come on to the cloaking bit in a wee minute, by the way. Um, up the trail about another half a mile, yeah, and looked back towards a line of trees, and I seen something black and huge up the tree. And of course, back to what we said earlier, I thought maybe a big cat, but of course it was a squatch in the tree. Mm-hmm. Um, it was watching where I was going. It was one of the ones that I'd seen over there. It was watching me. Now, the trail that I had to take to get back to the car sort of veered back in towards the woods and actually came back through the woods before I got to the car. And this was about, again, about another half a mile later. It was totally silent. By this stage, the rain had stopped. And I went on live on our was one of our older, maybe our older groups that we used to have. Um, and was walking along the trail, and of course the camera was pointed towards the woods. But there was a big a lot of bushes beside on my left, and I didn't hear a sound. Didn't hear a sound at all. But I just glanced to my left. I'm seeing the conical head, 10 foot off the ground, walking right beside me, literally right beside me. Lauren, I didn't hear a thing. Um, it just dropped his head down behind the bush. Mm-hmm. And there wasn't a single sound. Now, that's not to say that choking isn't real. I don't know. I can't really comment on people's personal experiences mm-hmm. because I've never seen that happening. But I can't discount it. But one theory that I do like that I heard a few years back was um, I think it was some guy in Britain um, had suggested this. I can't remember his name, but he suggested because Bigfoots are, you know, people believe that they're so like us. Whenever people experience a Bigfoot, say, walking towards them and disappearing or walking by them and disappearing, he suggested maybe that they're actually seeing a ghost of a squatch that's died possibly thousands of years ago. Okay. Um, so, I mean, that could be, I'm not discounting anything, that could be one possible explanation, you know. It could be flesh and blood, but mm-hmm. it could also be something else as well. An apparition. People suggested, yeah, people have suggested that different species have different traits. And, okay. I mean, it's yeah. not out of the realm of possibility. We don't know. Um, no, I think that's a very good theory as well. So I appreciate your theory on that. Um, okay. Um, so I'm, I'm going to talk about the film real quick. Um, so you, you made Walking with the Wild Man, um, Ireland's Bigfoot. And then you came out with a second film, and that is The Wood Woes, Walking with the Wild Man Part 2. So can you tell me a little bit about the first film and what we can expect out of the second film? I'll let Jim go on that one. <laughs> yeah, uh, part two, we, uh, <laughs> where do you start? Part one, uh, uh, the idea that we had for part one was, the initial idea was to bring more witnesses forward. Okay. If we create something, if we can get this on film, get it out there and uh, people can see it, it would draw in more of, people could come to us without any fear of, uh, you know, 
of ridicule. Mm-hmm. They can come to us and tell us, tell us your story. We, uh, we, we, you know, we won't tell, uh, we won't give you a name or anything like that. That was the idea behind it. Mm-hmm. So that's where the initial first one came from. The, that was uh, it has roller coastered since then. Uh, part two that's coming up. Uh, I think you have the trailer there as well, right. uh, Lauren. The uh, it's the first one was we learned a lot from part one. We did learn a lot from part one, mm-hmm. and we we changed things around for part two. Uh, we used m- more technology, more techniques, different. Uh, we got, had different a lot of hardware. We had different uh, techniques and uh, different, uh, you know, of course, different areas as well. But uh, it's uh, it's it's it is a roller coaster ride. I have mm-hmm. to say, part two is uh, is fabulous, absolutely fabulous. That's awesome. So Chris, Chris is the guy that's uh, Chris is the uh, what director. He would have all the, the technical details and uh, the storyboard and stuff like that of what uh, what we went through. And uh, there is another thing in part two uh, that we didn't mention yet was uh, during uh, going from location to location. We were on a boat. Uh, we actually hired a boat and uh, mm-hmm. big cruiser. And uh, we were on. We were cruising up, and we were on. Uh, we were taking turns of driving. And uh, one stage, I was on the back of the boat, and I had a good pair of binoculars. I was sitting back, having having a having a soft drink, uh, looking at the. I was using the boat as my viewing point. The boat was going across these islands, and I was just. I just. I had the had the binoculars up on my knees, as we were going along and letting the boat do all the viewing for me. So mm-hmm. I was just watching the islands passing by. And at one stage, I saw what I'm convinced I saw, which was a eight-foot-tall orangutan on all fours facing me with a beard hmm. for two seconds. It looked like for two seconds. Of course, I couldn't say, hold on, reverse back there. It's, we're on a cruiser, yeah. you know, again, you get the turn. And it was uh, uh, on that lake. It's so big. There's a massive current, and we were riding the current down. So it's... Uh, that that was that was the uh, a bit of the the viewing that I got, but Chris also, on his turn of, of many occasions of sitting on the back of the boat, takes about half an hour, forty five minutes to get to each location. Mm-hmm. Uh, that lake is 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 huge. Uh, I think Chris, there, if you want to tell what what uh, your story, what you saw. Yeah, the same sort of thing. We were in between locations. I think actually we had about a, a two hour run at this stage, Jim. Um, yeah. we were going right, right down from uh, to the next location, which was about a two-hour cruise on the boat, uh, and same sort of thing, out the back of the boat and just watching the scenery as you do. I think maybe young Ben or Ron was driving, and um, passing one of the islands again. All these islands are all forested, and they're all sort of some of the some of the islands are only maybe a few hundred yards offshore, so there's no big. No big swim for for any animal really, mm-hmm. uh, and the same sort of thing. Only mine was clearly a conical head, and it was standing up straight, and it just the head just followed me the got as the boat went, you know. So, um, it was a bit of a distance between us and it, obviously. Um, so it was hard to get a good look at the features, but it was definitely definitely something out of the ordinary. There I was watching us, yeah. That's pretty interesting. Um, I mean, it sounds like, so 
how is this film going to be different than the first one? What what can we expect that, um, I know you said you where to start and you have a lot to cover on it, um, but what can we expect this to, because the first one it had um, recreations of encounters and it had you guys covering the ecosystem and the wildlife and everything like that. Um, you did put the footprints in there and everything. So what can we expect out of the second one? Well, the first, well, the first thing for part two that, that had to change was bringing Ron, Ron Madden on board. Um, and that was for the simple reason being of what happened at the end of Walking with the Wild Man with the idol behind Jim himself. So we needed to have an independent adjudicator on that. And mm-hmm. um, Ron wasn't there at the time. Um, so he came in um, for, the, for the opening scenes, which you'll see. In part two, Ron came in to weigh that, okay. to weigh that up, to measure it up, and all those things. We'll not give away what actually, obviously, okay. he thinks at the moment in time. We'll have to watch and see that one. But right. um, yeah, so Ron, Ron came on from there, and yes, we cover. We've got recreations and all again, so we're covered with the sightings. Mm-hmm. We've got the recreations, which are even better at this time. I don't even know how we how we reproduced it, but we did. <laughs> but mm-hmm. some amazing shots, yeah. And um, of course, Ron will fill you in now of, um, on, on, on what happened to him. He was only initially brought on to come in and do those few scenes, so Ron can fill you in then on on how he's actually got to this point. Okay. Um, so yes, I was brought in to investigate the idol, and that was the first day of filming. <coughs> and when I was there when we got the the wailing sound across the the swamp that we talked about earlier, mm-hmm. uh, plus with the with the calls over and back. So as soon as all this stuff started happening, when I started to do my investigating on the area, uh, from that day on, I was 100% convinced that we had uh, Bigfoot Sasquatch in Ireland. Um, that I investigated the area where the guys at the eye glow and there's nothing else that could have done it. To be honest with you, there's no houses nearby. There's no animals or owls. There's big red eyes, but I won't say any more into that. But yeah, uh, ever since I saw that from that day, I've been hooked ever since, mm-hmm. you could say. All right. All right. Well, um, do you guys have anything else that you would like to add? Yeah, well, um, besides what Jim said, obviously this this film is going to be a lot better than the first one. Um, the technology that we've used, obviously, has been improved. Um, the behind-the-scenes stuff and the stuff that we use for, for our techniques and stuff, too. But uh, the areas, I think, that we chose, too, um, are some of the most infamous areas in Ireland for Bigfoot activity. Uh, they also have, they're quite famous for other cryptids like the puka. Okay, right. Um, the puka, in my view, yeah, the puka is like a small four-foot hairy creature. Um, in my view, it's a juvenile, a juvenile, it's a mis- misidentification of a juvenile squatch, but those those tales go back many hundreds of years. But some of the areas that we filmed in were quite famous for those, for those sightings as well. Mm-hmm. But, 
the locations that we'll, that we'll visit this time, Lauren, has just been out of this world. Um, the Loch Erin and the Big Dog area is amazing. Um, mm-hmm. It's literally, there's, well, there's forests everywhere for a start. And you can just literally park the boat wherever you want, get out and walk into the woods. It was mm-hmm. that easy. And that's why we chose the route of having the cruiser this time. So we could literally stop where we wanted, jump out, check an area out. Because there was times we were driving up, driving by and seeing structures and stuff, seeing, seeing, seeing bands from the shore. So we were able just to pull in and go check it out, you know? Right, so yeah. It's, it's definitely a great, if anybody if anybody lives in the States around some of the great lakes or some of the other yes. lake lands in the mm-hmm. in the States, it's definitely a great, good option to have a cruiser and cruise along the shore because mm-hmm. who knows what you'll see watching you. I mean, there's tales going back in North America. I know... The tales of the tales of the old Spanish um, sailors mm-hmm. back in the 1600s were cruising along the coast of California, and they reported seeing tall, dark figures watching them from the shoreline right, yes. as the cruise passed. Some of the earliest sightings in California of squats, even the Vikings went to Newfoundland, I think, and maybe parts of Greenland and Canada, and they seen the same thing, and they were actually met. They were actually met on the shore, on the beach with Bigfoots, mm-hmm. um, according to reports there going back to the Viking times, you know. So mm-hmm. uh, if, if anybody has the access to a cruiser, even down rivers, even down rivers, three wooded areas, it's an awesome piece of equipment to try and to see something. You know, if you're not going to see a squatch, maybe you'll find where they are. Maybe you'll find where the structures are or whatever, you know. Right. Absolutely. I think that's a great piece of advice um, if you have that option. All right, Ron, anything to add? Um, just, just it came flashing back to me there. Uh, while we were filming, um, we did one night investigation, and obviously we went back the following day to survey the area again, you know, to rule out any possibilities of what what could have been seen or what, so rule out anything, say like reflections of light or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But as we were getting ready to finish up, uh, this couple were, were out walking and they were coming up to their car. We were standing in the, in the car park mm-hmm. and we hadn't spoken to anyone. Now, we had a bit of camouflage gear on us, you know, kind of hunting gear and stuff, but we had a, a camera with us as well. And we were just standing up, just getting ready, packing up to leave. And this guy was getting into his car and he just shouted over, well, guys, did you find the Yeti yet? Hmm. And he smiled and got into the car. Oh. And we, we kind of looked at each other as it's, uh, were you talking to that person earlier? And it's like, nobody had met the guy. Oh my and God. do you remember that, guys? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, he had holy. a smile on his face when he told us and... Uh, he sort of winked at us and, and drove off like, uh, what does he know? You know what I mean? There's something. Oh. Yeah. Pity we didn't chase him. <laughs> yeah. Just, just out of, totally out of the blue, like, you know. And uh, they were trying to yeah. knock you for six, you know. Very strange. Nobody had spoken to that person, like. And it's an active yeah. area that's there, like, you know. So it just kind of tells you what a lot of people might see and don't report, you know. That's interesting. Yeah. Yes. And that they, he knew what you were doing, especially with the topic being even more taboo there than here, you know, that's very interesting. That actually, that actually put me in mind, Lauren, mm-hmm. if you've, if you've ever seen, seen the movie Lake Placid, I'm sure you've seen the movie Lake Placid yet. Yeah? 
Mm-hmm. Yes. About the big crocodile. Yes. Um, where these guys are all running about looking for this crocodile for weeks, uh-huh. and this old lady is at the on the shore and feeds it with cows. Right. Yes. Yeah. So it sort of put me in mind of that. Of this old guy. This guy was pretty old. He was probably eighty years old. Yes. And it put me in mind of that, where these guys are running about the woods looking for this creature, and he sees it every day of the week. You know, have you seen the yeti yet? You know. Oh yeah. You know? That's his buddy. Of, of, of Lake Placid, yeah. <laughs> yes, that's his pet, and he's just, you know, messing with you guys. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's that's <laughs> awesome. And what about you, Jim? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> sorry. I just can't get over that guy, like uh, as Ron said. I had completely forgotten about that until he said it. Uh, just the smile on his face and the wink and, and the way he said it and the way he just drove off before – we were all left with our jaws open and, and looking at one another going, nobody, we should have went, stop, stop, tell us more. But right, uh, yes. he was gone. It was too late. But it was just, uh, it was amazing. But uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to, uh, I hope the guys can uh, can watch the trailer for part two. It's, uh, it's outstanding. Yes. Um, I don't know whether uh, you're going to play it there yourself or they can look for it on YouTube. I'm sure uh, Chris has all the details about the Facebook group and that group and that, for, for people if they want to join or have a look and yes. check us out yes um i have been playing the trailer throughout this show um over and over so um they they do have the chance to see it here but to see it with audio and to see everything that um that the ibro is working on um you can go to the following places chris yes i think maybe you have you linked you maybe linked them in the, in the description as well lauren haven't you yeah yes yeah yeah Ah, uh, yeah. So it's just uh, um, the best the best place to find us is on Facebook. Um, the Irish Bigfoot Research Organization on Facebook, and you get the trailer there, um, and it's full glory. So, um, mm-hmm. of course, we've got a group, Facebook group, that's just called Bigfoot. There's mm-hmm. um, there's a couple of groups just called Bigfoot, but this one has got all all uppercase letters, okay. and you'll see along the top anyway. It'll say Irish Bigfoot Research Organization along the top anyway. So. You'll not miss it. It'll have a big shamrock beside the Bigfoot. So <laughs> gives um, it away. You'll know there. it's us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You'll, you'll know it's us. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, um, I think if that's it, I'll go ahead and let you go. Uh, Chris, I'll let you go get warmed up. I very much appreciate you guys coming on. It was well worth the wait. And whenever you guys launch part three, I'll have y'all back on and we can talk some more. Yep. Yeah, definitely. Looking forward to it. All right. Thank you guys so much for coming on. I appreciate you. And, um, you know, I will look forward to seeing part two, which launches December 1st, 2020. And you guys can find that on Amazon Prime. Yeah. Cool. Yes. As well as the first Wild Man documentary, also on Amazon Prime. Oh, no. (laughs) Jim's down. He's done. Oh, I dropped my phone. I dropped my phone. There we go. Sorry about that. (laughs) Sit down now. Oh, there we go. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I'm going to let you guys go. And uh, y'all go warm up and do what you need to do. And I'm going to give these fine folks some um, information on events and such. And I will holler at you guys later. Thank you very much, Lauren. Pleasure. All right. Good night, guys. Bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
Okay, everyone, we have quite a few upcoming events. We had the Texas Bigfoot Conference this past weekend, and it was it was wonderful. Um, it was my first time attending. I had such a great time there. I got to meet a ton of great people and, and see the great speakers and vendors and everything. It was really great. Um, so we have a few events coming up this weekend. Uh, so in Smith Park in Falk, Arkansas, we have the 2020 Falk Monster Halloween Bash. This is being put on by Night Colors Bigfoot Radio, Keith Crabtree, Squatch Dogs, and William Lunsford. Um, so you can uh, check us out there. Um, we're going to, uh, you know, we're going to have trick-or-treating for the kids. We're going to have pinatas with candy. We're going to have drawings and raffles. Um, donations for those go to the park and also to Tanya Knight, um, a good friend of ours who is battling cancer at this time. So she will, um, she'll be, you know, one of the raffles will benefit her. Um, But we plan to have storytelling around the campfire at night. Uh, William Lunsford will be leading the storytelling and town hall sessions. So you can actually show up and tell your story, hear other encounters, and meet up with people and network. Um, Some of the best things about these events is meeting new people and people in your area that you can research with or just talk to and hearing great stories. So we look forward to seeing everyone there. We will be there um, Friday, Saturday, and then Sunday afternoon, William Lunsford will be taking the Boy Scouts on a nature hike, and um, everyone is welcome to join him as well, and he'll be kind of pointing out different things. So we look forward to seeing everyone. Also next weekend is the Bigfoot Storytelling Festival. Um, This is around the Oklahoma City area. There's a Bigfoot calling contest and everything, so you can find that all of this information on Facebook for the Falk Monster Bash as well as the Bigfoot Storytelling Festival. Um, And then also next weekend is the LBL meet and greet, um, LBL beast meet and greet, sorry. Um, And that one is also all weekend. And then the following weekend, we have the Boggy Bottom Bigfoot Conference in Colgate, Oklahoma. There's quite a few great vendors going to be there and great speakers as well. Um, I will be attending that one as well, so I look forward to seeing everyone there. All don- all um, admission fees and everything goes to benefit the um, it goes to benefit the uh, robotics program. So you can um, anything that you spend on that will go towards the robotics program for that school. So with that being said, I would like to just chit chat about our next guest. Our next guest is Doug Hycheck. He is the director of Monster Quest, um, also Sasquatch Legend Meets Science, which is the other project that he's working on. So um, I hope that everyone is able to tune in for that. It's going to be a great show. We have had Doug on our show before, but it was about 10 years ago, and so um, I, when I contacted Doug and he is so excited to come back on the show, he has a lot of new projects that he wants to talk about, a lot of experiences he wants to talk about. I am very, very, very excited to have Doug on the show. So November 8th, uh, at the regular time, 8.30 PM central standard time, we'll have Doug on and he will tell us all about how he got started and what he has done since we talked to him last, as well as what projects he has in the works. So I hope to see you all there. Um, Don't forget to go like and subscribe on YouTube. Um, That way you can get your live notifications from us. And then also we have um, our Instagram 
and our Facebook page where you can go like and you can find out different things that are coming up, different updates. I have a lot of new things going all at one time and I will be unveiling these, the big news on different things on those social media platforms. Also, you can join the Nightcaller's Bigfoot Radio Facebook group and this is just an extension of the chat to where you can go chat with other people and network and post videos and pictures and uh, learn, you know, see what's going on behind the scenes of the show and everything like that. I appreciate everyone listening. Um, you know, I welcome feedback all the, you know, all the time. If you have someone you would love to see on the show or anything like that, you know, just uh, feel free to message me. If you have any questions about these events, you can also message me. And again, thank you everyone for listening and I will see you guys in a couple weeks.